Welcome, everybody, to the Outside Edge, a podcast about all things water sports and extreme athletes. We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of things that have happened in the past, and hopefully things will happen in the future. I'm your host, the notorious Dave Briscoe. <laughs> you gotta love the dogs, man. Every time. They all love you. Mikey Lee, how you hey, doing? I'm good, man. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm fun. Uh, oh, man, I'm starving. Are you? Yeah, I mean, that McDonald's that you ate earlier is, uh, I'm like, I'm thinking about McDonald's. Of course, yeah. it doesn't affect me like it does you because I eat garbage all the time. That's true. My body's used to the garbage. Yeah. It holds it, retains it, stores it in places that I wish it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's great. It's great to have the body of the Pillsbury Doughboy. I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm speechless. I know. Uh, I know you, you are. Gotta, you gotta yeah. I used to be young and hot and sexy. Yeah. Now I'm just sexy, I guess. <laughs> well, we have a returning guest today. Yes, we Speaking do. Speaking of sexy, huh? Yeah. Tony Clarich is back. Oh, yeah. Mr. Baby. Hot Dog. Let's do this. There he is. <laughs> Mr. Hot Dog? Yeah, he's a, he was the hot dog skier of the day. Oh, okay, gotcha. Back, I didn't know if there was like... Back a, when hot dog was a If there cool was like term. a hot dog story, something, you know, he's like skiing and everybody's throwing hot dogs at him or something. I you don't can know. Do that. You can, that, your cable park like, idea. You never know what, why people get their nicknames. Right. Because if he's Mr. Hot Dog, it could literally have something to do with hot dogs going in places where they're not supposed to. Yeah, it could. But, but that's not what it is. That's, yeah, not, that's it. not what it is. That's gotcha. It. I mean, like, you're the rooster, which is a cool nickname. Right. But when you find out where it came from, you're like, hmm. He <laughs> <laughs> did get up backwards on a ski once naked. Yeah. Okay. That is that is good. It yeah. could be a hot dog story there. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the bonus episode. Right. So, anyways, Tony's actually doing a really cool thing. We, we get off the tracks here easy on this episode, but... So the history of water skiing was uh, it started officially from Ralph Stelmusen, as far as we know, in the record books uh, in 1922. Mm-hmm. So we're coming up on a hundred year anniversary. Of right. Water That's skiing. a big thing. Right. And and Tony, we're going to talk about that a bit because Tony is deep <laughs> into this. And let's get into that. Let's get into the history of water skiing a little bit, because you had some uh, photos that go back before 1920. Yeah, well, before 1920, they were riding what's called the aquaplane, which is basically a big barn door tied directly to the boat. And then you tie a rope to the barn door, so that's your handle. And the boats weren't fast enough to ski, but they are fast enough to tie a big barn door. So that was it for the first 10 years. That was kind of the birth of the skiing, is what you're saying. Correct. Of toad sports. Some sort of toad, yeah. Getting toad behind a boat. I'm sure that there wasn't a sport saying, hey, who can ride this barn door better? It was probably just like people decided, hey, we should be able to pull things through the water, right? I mean, once It was trying to get chicks. Yeah. (laughs) Once you have a motorboat on the water, you know that somebody's going to be like, what else can we do with this? Like, it's not just for fishing. Sure. You've got to be able to pull something. Or maybe they even had to pull somebody's broken boat, and they were like, hey, that works pretty good. Well, supposedly back in uh, Coronado near San Diego was on a fishing boat, and someone had challenged someone to ski back on the fish hatch cover. On and a fish what, hatch cover. On a fish hatch cover. Wow. That's supposedly how it all started. And the guy did it. And then it became very popular in that area right there. And it kind of exploded from there. I mean, there's ads as early as 1911 with people promoting this and trying to sell these things as an item. But the problem is, how hard is it to get your uh, door and tie it to the boat? Right. right. So right. they're right. not selling a lot of them. 
Yeah. But they became very popular all the way up into the 50s and 60s. I wonder if anybody ever rode behind a horse. You know, you, there was an old uh, commercial where a guy was trick skiing behind a horse. But I wonder if way back, you know, in the... I'm sure, like... I mean, the Romans were going behind carts behind horses. Yeah, Why wouldn't sure. they try to get dragged across the water? I'm sure that, that there's something of that nature. I mean, I'm sure, like, what did they have the uh, the Roman gladiators to go around and they have the, you know, they're doing the sport, they're shooting arrows and stuff. I mean, that's essentially this, what you're talking about, right? Yeah, it could be behind the water. I don't the know. The chariots? I don't know. I mean, this is a chariot. It's just got to get recorded, I guess. Yeah, uh, well, the recorded water yeah, skiing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Tony's promoting this big event. Of 100 years of water skiing. And, and this is two years away still, right? Correct. Okay. But he's going to start. So I want to talk about it a little bit, Tony. Well, what happened was uh, from the 50 for 50 and putting my axe to get writing 50 things in one day to celebrate turning 50, I created an axe within the show. So there was the history of wake, the history of hydrofoiling, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, how cool would this be if it weren't just me, if I can involve other people, which I did, but like really the people that did it. And I knew the... Uh, Centennial was coming up, and I wanted to do something special. And I thought that would be to go to Lake Pepin, the birthplace, uh, do a recreation. Minnesota, yeah, Lake, Lake Pepin, Pepin, Minnesota, Minnesota. yeah, and and do a recreation of the Ralph Samuelson skis. You know, get the gear on and go out on the day and do it. And from there, it just kind of morphed into maybe I'll do the fifty for fifty thing, but with everybody and do the whole sport. So the Wake Ski One Hundred is going to be basically two things: live performance with a series of 12 shows over the weekend. So there will be an hour show of the history of kneeboarding and wakeboarding, an hour show of the history of hydrofoiling, an hour show of odds and ends, show skiing, et cetera, et cetera. And then one show will be the one hour show that's the highlight show of all that stuff in one hour that's going to go on the road. And we're talking about using vintage equipment, vintage boats, vintage music, to try to tell the story on the water live in one weekend. So that's one half of the event. Vintage bathing suits? Vintage bathing suits. Yeah. Ooh, the old-timey bathing the old t- suits. Man, I got to tell you, man. Not for the, the the guys. Those things are awful. Those little <laughs> banana those hammocks. Like, yeah, the exactly. Jansons. They're Jansons. But the, yeah. for some reason, those old 50s uh, ladies' bikinis and one-pieces, they're sexy, man. You like those? Don't you think? Do you think, do you agree, or do you think no? I like a bikini? I, li- I know. Listen, I had the Farrah Fawcett poster on my wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, didn't we all? <laughs> oh, boy. That was a good one. I love that you're going to use the vintage bathing suit, though. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, that. It's just a cool thing so, all around. So let me ask you this. You said that one show's going to go on the road, right? Correct. It's going to go on the road so that other people can see it. Where, what cities are you going to hit? Do you know yet? So, yeah, we're hoping to do Lake Pepin, you know, on or around the date right there. We'd hope to, you know, try to hook up with uh, Masters. We hope to try to hook up with, I mean, whoever really what wants What was the us. date? What was the date? D- is July, July 2nd, 1922. Okay, July 2nd. Correct. So that's when you're planning on doing it in 2022. Uh, well, well, we'll be doing it probably in Florida sometime at the, you know, the end of the summer of 2022. And it really depends on what kind of support we can have because we have a dream and a vision, but ultimately it comes down to money. It takes a lot of money to put uh, yeah. a road show out there and get people traveling so if, if it's the appetite of the people and we can get it going we, we can blow this thing out of the park well it's you know good that we can use this podcast actually to start getting people aware of it because you are going to need boats and you know correct skis yeah and, and, items, and sponsors so. it sounds like and sponsors have too. You, have you talked to uh like some maybe some companies that uh that revitalize vintage boats and things like that maybe uh get their name on this so that they can Support. We haven't quite gotten to the hardcore sponsor stuff because really, it's 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 in my head. It's in our board of directors' head. Oh, I it see. hasn't gotten out there yet. We it's are not at that step. Correct. Yet. So we're very close. So uh, the other half of this um, 
a big event is that we're going to archive the entire history of the sport in a series of top 100 photos. So there will be the top 100 all-time wake photos. Nice. Top 100 all-time hydrofoil photos. And there'll be a series of those and all the various uh, sport disciplines and then associated timelines with each division, which will have the history of the sport, links to videos, links to photos. And we are, as a board, releasing... We're doing the first release coming up in spring right now, uh, spring 2020, which will have 20 photos from four disciplines. So a total of like 80 pictures. So we're working hard to get those amazing photos out, tell the story behind the scene. We'll be putting the timelines out. So yeah. for us who know it's really something, it's hard for anyone else because they haven't really seen anything yet. We do right. have the website up, wakeski100.org, but there's not really a lot there. But after spring, there will be, and we're going to be merchandising uh, with some of these photos, you know, putting them yep. on mugs, T-shirts, posters, towels, whatever. We've got someone lined up to do that. That's so awesome. uh, it, it's coming. It's for sure coming. I mean, the this sport is real. definitely needs it because things are starting to get swept underneath the carpet and, and the memory is, is so scarce on what happened and how it happened. That's right. And what's really important to me is there's there's a lot of great people posting. And I know you love the sport and you're posting stuff. Alindo sure. Bukowski is another great guy who's posting stuff. But it's not in context. It's really like a social media post with, oh, this amazing, cool thing happened. And then you're on to the next thing. This is different. This is going to tell the story of what came before, what came after, how it interrelated with this. We're archiving stuff. So if you want to go in there and search for a certain name, photographer, date, you're going to be able to pull this stuff off uh, up immediately. It just hasn't been done before. And it's important to me because I love the sport and I've, yeah. I've done so many aspects of it. Um, you know, fairly knowledgeable in most of it. It's funny because we talked, we had Tommy Phillips on a few episodes ago and I know that you've followed the episodes, but that's been some of the conversation is when ski board changed to wakeboard and, uh, you want, I know you know a lot of the history of the beginning of Wake. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, if you want to go all the way back to the you know the 1910s or something, there there were guys standing sideways on these aquaplanes way back then with with photography. I mean, we're talking about like 1911, you know. And certainly, you hear stories right. of uh, Duke, you know, the famous surfer, um, wake surfing way back when. I mean, they claim he's the guy. I haven't been able to find any photographic evidence. Uh, guys were wake surfing in World War II behind the big uh, you know boats that the uh, you know the warships. Right. And, uh, really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, just it's a bitch to turn it around and pick you back I, up. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You better not fall off. And it went from there. And again, all things, you know, roads lead back to Cypress Gardens. But uh, Dick Pope, you know, he obviously wasn't the first, but he's the first to promote wake surfing as a way to, you know, promote Cypress Gardens. So he hired a surfer to come out from California. And we mentioned Gary Warren. Uh, Gary Warren was there. So they started promoting this wake surfing at the gardens in the 1960s, 1964. There's right. all kinds of stories about that. I mean, so much so it became so popular, like cover of Surfer Magazine in the 60s. So you know, has it frustrated you that when you, when you hear people trying to claim that they started something, that must frustrate the shit out of you? Uh, it's not frustrating. I, I take it as a challenge. And, you know, nothing's ever new. It's like, who invented the light bulb? It, it wasn't uh, Edison. Who invented the car? No, it wasn't Ford. You know, there's always someone before. Right. You know, always someone before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually the person who is the popularizer becomes the person who is associated with being the inventor, like Tony Finn and the Scurfer, yeah. who popularized the sport, hands down, but he was not the inventor of the sport. He was like three or four. He was like, you know, ski board 3.0. Sure. So to get, you know, to carry forward a little bit, wake surfing was... Um, 
in uh, Endless Summer. There was wake surfing in Endless Summer. That was in was the 1960s. There? Yeah, absolutely there was. Crazy, right? Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And then there was this little device called the um, uh, banana, bo- uh, banana Board in 1972 that was basically like, hey, it's the cross between surfing and, and skiing, you know, and it didn't have any bindings. But again, they're riding this thing. And then the group, we heard the group in um, New Zealand was riding board. They were surfers and they wanted to recreate the feeling of riding in pipeline. So they made cut down little boards and rode these things uh, way back when in the 70s. It was uh, Alan Byrne and, uh, and and another associate of his, and they just wanted to recreate. And they were asked about putting fin, uh, straps on the board, and they said they didn't want to because was they that, were they were trying to surf. They wanted to recreate surfing. Right. Well, that was the McSki. No, that no. wasn't the McSki. It was even even before the McSki. Okay. 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 So these guys were riding basically a scurfer with no fins, but hand-shaped glass boards. Got it. Okay. And they didn't want to put straps. They didn't want to mark it. These guys were just surfers, yeah. right? They were asked about it. They had a big story out in the Australian uh, magazine, and the title was Scurfing? Question mark. We're talking about the 1970s. Hmm. All right. So as you can see, yeah. what, what's coming forward. So as these guys were doing this, now there's several groups around that are thinking, wow, this is a great idea. These guys don't want to put straps on it. Maybe we can figure out a way to make some money. So there's two groups that took it from there. One was Mc, Jeff McKee, who mm-hmm. made the McSki. And the other group was the group that kind of branched off into Tony Finn. And those guys, I think it was Alan Byrne. Uh, let's see here. George Darby and Roger Firehawk. So the story is this. Evidently, um, Tony Finn graduates from college, goes on a walkabout to Australia, runs into these guys, and they haven't produced a board yet, but um, they have the idea to produce a board. But they have a name, Skurfer, Skurfer International. I've seen documentation. Huh. Skurfer International, documented. Dated, official, stamped, the whole bit. So Tony Finn gets a license from them for Skurfer International. But he, he, these guys hadn't produced a board yet. So he came over here with the idea and the name and started making the boards. Got it. So the first couple years, it was kind of like a licensing thing. And then, you know, we're far apart and they're doing it and they're not doing anything. So eventually it became Skurfer. But prior to that, this other group that had seen these guys surfing on these boards, you know, early made the McSki, right? That was McKee. Yeah. But the issue with that is that they were, it was a small market. Australia is a small market. And, you know, Bestie was, I mean, I wish he was here because small market and and they didn't do great. But when they came over to the U.S. in 1984 at the trade show, um, they hooked up with Wellington Puritan. Now, Wellington Puritan is not a name known for their high action and impact stuff. They're like, right. it's a fishing company, boring stuff. So they really got hooked up with the wrong the wrong guys. Wrong marketers. The wrong, yeah. the wrong marketers. And now these things are in you know, fishing stores, et cetera, et cetera. And here comes Tony Finn. And do you remember the ads that he had and the, and the stuff that he was promoting? Yeah. Off the At hook, the crazy. Oh, yeah, you know, beautiful sure. girls, you know. Uh, which model do you want, right? It's the three boards and the three models, right? It's like you're comparing that to black and white ads on something that doesn't look fun. And then you've got Tony Finn. And I, I love I love Tony. And what he did was amazing. He did sure. so much to promote the sport. But no, he's not the he's not the inventor. But somehow or another, it got morphed into this myth- mythology that he was the guy. But what he reminds me of in a lot of ways is a carnival barker. <laughs> right. Okay. So... Big, full of life. I was at plenty of boat shows where he's throwing those scurfers down at the middle of the show. I was at that boat show with Tommy Phillips when 
uh, Tony, when he met Jimmy, when he met, I was at that, I was at that show in that booth that no day that, that happened. Yeah. So he's the bigger than life and running it. Like, you know, it's not entirely true, but you don't care because the guy was so, so dynamic and so yeah. entertaining. And that is what the sport needed to get it to the next level. Because let's face it, the scurfer was not an easy thing to ride. Right. It was hard to get up on. Yep. Yep. You I know? remember. So, um, I mean, that's kind of, if you want to talk about the early, early stuff. Um, and I did a, one of the first photo shoots with Tony Finn. He called me out because in those days, who was doing tricks? Yeah. Oh, let's get the guy who does tricks on a solemn ski to come do a photo shoot. Sure. So I'm all of a sudden doing TikToks, Wake 360, side slides before anyone's doing this stuff. So, yep. I mean, I think I was the first person to ride fakey. I mean, we're talking about like 1985, 86. Right. Because that thing had a giant keel fin. Like, who's going to figure out how to ride that back? Yeah. It's be... just a TikTok for me on a solemn ski. Sure. It was easy. Sure. And with your feet sideways, it must have been a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is so cool. And then, um, so how about when the name changed from ski boarding to wakeboarding? Yeah, so... Uh, you know, there were there were a lot of names floating around, including wakeboarding and, you know, uh, this you know, freeboarding. They call it many names. And, and Tony Finn himself, in an article, uh, he used to do tips, tips and stuff to let people know what's going on. And in uh, 1986, when with an instructional article, he basically said, hey, it's been called a lot of things. Let's get this name right. Let's call it skiboarding. That's written by Tony Finn. No kidding. Yeah. So um, he kind of was the one that solidified the name as skiboarding. But, uh, you know. Things really changed when uh, Herb came around and, you know, with that first compression molded board, the Hyperlite in 1991, it it really changed the sport so much that uh, the name was changed. And the name was changed because um, uh, Paul Frazier uh, and Murray Frazier, these guys are high output sports in Vancouver. They're running a ski shop that does water ski stuff in the summer and snow skiing stuff in the winter okay and he's involved with the development of this first hyperlight board and they're the dealer they're very close vancouver seattle they're running back and forth yeah and as they're coming out with this board paul is so convinced that it needs to be marketed like snowboarding because snowboarding is brand new and he keeps saying herb you need to call it wakeboarding herb you need to call it wakeboarding even though the name had been floating around yeah. So when that first ad was launched with the uh, Hyperlite, it literally says, now introducing Hyperlite, wakeboarding, literally redefining a new sport. And that was the beginning right there. So the name was floating around, but yeah. through Paul and Herb, they said, hey, this is different. So now the board was so different. And it was crazy because I remember being in the boat shows back then. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, Eddie Roberts, God bless his soul, just passed away recently, yeah. produced that first video. And, uh, you know, with Eric Perez and that music, and it's just funny to look at it now, but we would be at boat shows and people would walk up and see that video. And I've never seen anything like this. It's like they're in a trance. They'd walk up and like mouths agape, staring and like just wandering over to the other side to buy one of those things. I mean, literally selling dozens and dozens and dozens of boards like at every show for the entire summer because you could get up on the thing and look at the yeah. tricks that were happening. Right. Well, and skiing was kind of, I, I don't want to say it was dying, but hot summer nights was now, you know, starting to fade and it gave complete birth back to the industry. I mean, it woke everything back up again. Yeah. I think that was probably really a, an amazing time because it really was, the industry was still together. You know, the wakeboarding uh, magazine hadn't launched yet and everything was kind of in one spot. You know, you had uh, the water ski magazine that covered everything. 
you know, you had hot summer nights going. So it was really concentrated in a way that was healthy for the sport. And I think that's part of the problem right now is the fragmentation. It, it, there's so many small areas and everyone's just scratching for their little piece of ground. And it's like the sport's not that big. So that's one of the things I yeah. hope to do with Wake Ski 100 is to, to reintroduce get it, get it back all together and yeah. show everybody the all the different ways that you can have fun on the water. I mean... Hey, great guys are selling 150, 200,000 boats, but guess what? You don't need a boat like that to have fun. I got a buddy with an old Tahiti that's a, you know, seven, eight hundred dollar boat. We burn, you know, 20 bucks of gas and ski all day. Yeah. And you ski, you get wet, you get the spray in your face. I mean, we're doing all different stuff. And that's really what the joy is. You know, you don't have to have this expensive equipment to have fun on the water. Yeah. You go behind a John boat. I love seeing kids. Whenever I see kids out on the chain of lakes in a John boat, cruising around i'm like there you go because when i was a kid it was your freedom you know you don't get your license until you're 16 but at 12 you can drive a boat right you know and you can get with your buddies and especially we live on a chain of lakes down here in florida that there's 21 lakes all connected so to see kids out there having fun and playing and dragging each other on a paddle or on a you know whatever they can find right. an old sled or <laughs> an, an old, old barn door yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly it's 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 fun to watch so did that uh, that answer your question there? Uh? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just curious though why. Uh, okay, so my question is not being familiar with all of the history. You pay, you kind of laid out who named what and when, but what wh what was the controversy behind that? Were there other people that were claiming that they had done this, and that's why you were trying to clear it up? Uh, it wasn't so much that I was per trying to clear it up. I just am a historian. I'm trying to get to the truth. But I think what happened was, if you look back in the archives of the magazines, it's like Tony Finn, creator of the Scurfer. Tony Finn, creator of the Scurfer, which he was. I mean, he did create the Scurfer. But mm -hmm. then that morphed into Tony Finn, father of skiboarding. And the other initial one, the McSki, was, had so little impact in, in the U.S. that nobody really remembered it. Yeah. So, and, and look, these guys are selling boards, right? It's their livelihood. So if you're the creator of the sport, that's way better. That's way better for marketing and yeah. sales. And he had so much to do with it. When other people are telling him that, I think it's just kind of, it, it kept rolling. And, and I get it. I understand it. But from my point of view as a researcher, I'm pretty sure that's the way it went down. And this is not taking anything away from what he did because he did amazing things. But if you claim that, that takes away from the people that came before. And there was, you know, several groups before that also deserve to be, you know, honored acknowledged, and yeah. acknowledged and remembered because it was you. And then we didn't even talk about Jimmy Redman. And again, he was out there doing the red line board. Did you ever ride the red yeah. line board? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that thing was ahead of his time, but it, it didn't, it wasn't durable. So right. He's a flip on it. It broke. But again, he was a guy that was like, it's the mass consciousness, right? Everyone comes up with the same idea at the same time. And I think Redmond was out. This is before the internet people, yeah. you know, you don't know what people are doing here, there and everywhere. And he's developing his own thing on his own. And he thinks he's the creator. Sure. Yeah. But someone did it years before. But again, the combination of you know Jimmy the incredible shaper and Tony Finn the incredible shape uh, uh, front man yeah when they got together man what an unstoppable force yeah it was it was such a cool change and that's when everything really did you know shift gears and go a different direction so I, I'm looking at some of the notes here too and you skied with Brett Wing a little bit so that's kind of always been my argument or, or maybe not argument but discussion is who was better Brett Wing or Scotty Clack. And oh my God, 
Scotty was amazing because I skied with him. But what happened with you and Brett? I, I didn't ski a ton with Scott. I mean, you know, I would pull a pin for him on the tour, you know, when he was doing his thing, and I'd yeah. see him here and there. And if, I mostly saw him as a uh, as a freestyler, never really as the show skier. I wasn't out here right. at the gardens at that time. But with Brett, again, show skiing, um, back in the day, Magic Mountain, 1980s, and uh, the show was struggling a little bit, so they brought him in as a ringer for two weeks. And this site was small. We're talking yeah. about 800 feet by 150 feet. It was man-made pool, basically. Wow. Very small. That's that is tight. small, yeah. Yeah. So to do barefooting in there was a little dangerous and a little, I mean, it was like you're on the edge of the whole thing. And like, it was a big deal to be able to step off backwards, do a turn, you know, and get to the stage and all this stuff. So we do, we do a loop. Yeah. And Brett comes up the first day and I, I'm pretty sure it was the first day I had met him, but He's riding on, uh, you know, one of the freeboard skis with no no binding, and he steps off the dock onto the ski. It's like, oh my gosh, just so smooth, so so cool. And on his first run, does a front to back, a back toe hold, three tumble turns in the back stretch across the boat wakes, and literally runs up onto the stage. Wow! No, first run, no butt drop on the slide, nothing, in. barefooted right to the nothing. stage. First first time out. And then, of course, you know, getting to experience him as an amazing freestyle jumper, distance yeah. jumper. He's a dabbler in hot dog uh, water skiing. He had the first kneeboarding cover back in the day. Oh, did he really? Absolutely. He was the first kneeboarding cover back in the day. Huh. So, uh, and then I was fortunate to do, you know, many events with him, promotions, uh, fest. And that guy was an amazing rough water barefooter. I mean, I'd seen him see through six inch chop like it was nothing. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the, I mean, I think one of the great stories from him that I always touched me was it's like, Brett, why did you give it up? You know, world champion so many years. And he goes, he says to me, it's like a cup of water that's full. I can't pour any more water into that cup. Oh, I needed to get something else. And yeah. I, that always struck me. And I think that's one of the reasons why for me, uh, I would be get really good at something on a high level. And then it's like, okay, I won that championship. You know, what's two or three or four. Like if you win it twice, like, okay, if it's not as good. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to move on to the next thing. You know? So I went from kneeboarding to hydrofoiling to wakeboarding to hot dogging right. to skiing on crazy stuff. It's just, yeah. It's a, uh, what's it, inspired next? by Brett. And, and yeah. I do believe if you look back, I would have to say, in my opinion, from what I've seen, I'd say he's the best all-around skier of all time. Yeah, so, and I'm Scotty. Like, some of the things that when I first saw him, when I came down to the gardens, you know, they do the fake fall. They'll do a four-man jump act, and the one guy acts out of control, like mm -hmm. he's going to fall, and he brings it back. Scotty would do another front flip on 72-inch jumpers. He'd land the front flip and then do a punch front off of nothing and barefoot, and or, and then, sorry, and, and ski away. And then one barefoot act, he did a, a reverse tumble. Have you ever seen one of those? It's I think it's called a back tumble. So he, he's barefoot and forward through the front stretch, slows the boat down to 20 miles an hour, and goes from his feet to his knees. So now he's knee skiing. Good God. Wraps the rope while he's doing this, pulls the rope and wraps it behind his back, goes to his stomach, does a spin on his stomach, like a 180, and then gets up backward barefoot. And the first time he ever tried it was in the show. But that's the Brett and Scotty. Oh, my God, they were there's. They were unbelievable. You throw them upside down, they'd always find their feet. That's a great trick. Yeah. I've never even heard of that before. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff we want to dig up for Wake Ski 100 is to sure. get all these stories and get them documented and out there and be able to see them. Absolutely. You know, so we're getting a lot of great videos and photos from people. And you've got, so you're going to do an event um, at your, you just bought a house in Winter Haven. Correct. Which is on the same lake that Cypress Gardens was on where Dick Pope did everything. And you know, let, let, let's talk about that for a minute. 
what Dick Pope did, he opened that in 1937, and then he had to leave for the war. It was the first theme park ever in Florida. I mean, we're talking 20 years before Disney came out. Uh, More than that. And, wow, the legends that he brought in, like Elvis and who else? Uh, Uh, Well, they shot three feature films there, including a top 10 movie, 1953, Easy to Love. That's why the Florida pool is there. You know, they built it for that movie. I mean, we're talking about a major Hollywood, you know, production down there. Everybody come down there. Johnny Carson did specials down there. Yeah, they Pete had, Bonifay uh, was in a he did barefooted on his hands. That's right. With he, Johnny, he, he on did the it Johnny for that. Um, yeah. Carol, you've seen pictures of Carol Burnett down there. Um, you know, Kings, uh, Muhammad Ali did uh, exhibition fighting down there. I mean, this guy had it going because he promoted promoted uh, Cypress Gardens by getting famous people down there and doing crazy stuff, and that got people at the gardens. The gardens tied with in 1964 three or four with the Grand Canyon as the number one tourist destination in the United States. No kidding. That's right. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you worked there, Mike. I did. I did work there. Yeah. For a while. For a short while. Slung guns. I did. I was a gunslinger. I was, was gonna go I was show, gonna yeah. go more like Southern Bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was what they started me at. I worked up to the Wild West show. He's yeah. just blowing smoke up your dress. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's why um that's why I'm in the area. You know, I kind of wanted to follow in Dick Pope's lead. You know, in promoting skiing and stuff. And I dreamed when I would retire. You know, that would be it. I'd try to get close there. And when I came out for the Hall of Fame thing, I hooked up with Keith Saint Ange. My uh, my wife sells real estate, and we just like walked into this place and knew it was it. And made a crazy offer. Uh, the previous owner, because he loved the story of what we wanted to do and promote skiing and stuff, loved it. And I, I don't think it was so much about the money for him. I think it was about the right person. And, yep. and I was the right person. And we didn't know that people like love that house. It was just like, oh, we love it too. We, we don't know. And yeah. walked in on Sunday, not expecting to buy a house, put an offer in on Monday, accepted with no changes on Wednesday on a 30-day escrow. Boom. Wow, nice. Yeah, It was meant to be. So yeah. Because we want to do amazing things for Wake Ski 100. We want to promote the sport. And you mentioned the hydrofoiling thing coming up that we're going to do uh, Yeah, so in, in, in this April. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute. This event, we're going to, this is all prelude to the Water Ski 100 that's going to happen in two years. Correct. But it's the ball starting to roll. And what are we going to do? Yeah, so basically in uh, hydrofoiling, there's a thing called a fly-in. You know, you board, you say board fest or board stock in, hydro, in uh, wakeboarding. And uh, basically, the first two days are going to be like that. Get together, ride with the pros, hang out, you know, pay uh, 100, 150 bucks. We'll have boats there. So you get to show up and ride, hydrofoil, learn. Those are the first two days, Friday and Saturday. Do we have a date? Uh, I think it's the 25th and 26th. I'd have to look on the calendar. It's that, whatever that weekend it is in April. Yeah. So, um, and it, so, I mean, is this something that we can start inviting people to now? 24th, 25th, and 26th. Yeah. We're going to be limiting it to 100 because the, the house, that's that's what it is. So, so how yeah. do people get there? Do they buy a ticket? It's they... not even quite there yet. I just okay. say pay attention, get in those realms, and, and it'll be on the, the, the boards. You know, uh, wakeski100.org will probably have some stuff there. Okay. Or on Instagram too. That'll, it'll be there. It's just getting formulated right now. Yeah. But so those are the first two days on Saturday night. We're going to have a, a dinner and we're going to do a little fundraiser with a game on. My wife and I have done these amazing game on bracketed parties. Can I bring my guitar? Absolutely. Okay. We yeah. love the guitar. <laughs> actually, listen, actually, one of the uh, things that I want to do is actually a guitar off. So oh, you absolutely. get three minutes to play. 
I get three minutes to play, someone judges, and then you move on to the bracket. Oh, next bracket. So that's actually real. Okay. okay. I like it. I like wow. it. That's actually right. real. Mikey, you in? I might be. Yeah, I might come. I know I'll lose in the first round, yeah. but I'll play. Uh, I think well, I think we need to do a podcast there. Why don't we do a live event? And Let's push it now. We'll do a live event during this weekend thing. Okay. And people can come and, you know, we'll see what it's all about. Uh, why not? Uh, Absolutely. The meet and greet was what it's all about. You know, back in the day that wakeboarding was huge and skiing. It was one of the only sports that you could interact with the athletes. Yeah. You know, and, and there's not many sports that are like that. So that's the magic that I like that you're bringing back to this, Tony, is the yeah. the, the party and the interaction. So, yeah. And, and then to finish that up, on Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to run the show that's going to be the show at the Wake Ski 100. Oh, so nice. we're going to have three shots, right? 2020. 2021 and early in 2022 to start putting that show together. So the people that are coming, we're asking them to bring vintage gear, vintage equipment, vintage boats. We're going to write and and put on the show to the extent we can. It won't be great this first time, but it'll be something yep. and it'll give us an idea to get better next year. And so this hydrofoiling one will be the first one. We're hoping to do barefooting. I got a line on a, a barefooting event. We do the same thing in that. And uh, hopefully Wake, you know, Knee and Wake can uh, have one this this summer, yep. possibly too. But uh, it's very exciting because if you think about it, what an amazing reunion this can be and what a reason for the people in the sport to gather around yeah. and get it together. And what, I mean, it's going to be, I just imagine the individual groups, but the, it'll be the single biggest gathering of people and equipment ever in the history of the sport, all in one spot. You're going to be able to go, if you love wakeboarding, and see every wakeboard all the way down the line. Yeah. And then the same thing in all the other sports. Nice. I love it. That's never been done before. Absolutely love it. Well, we are going to wrap this. Tony, plug your thing one more time. That's well, wakeski100.org is the big one. We're on, uh, you know, online and uh, Instagram. For myself, it's Water Skiers Life on Instagram, and love to see you out there. Uh, if you've got stuff, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you awesome. very much, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Tony. Really appreciate you coming on. And Mike, what do you got to plug, brother? Uh, just follow me on Facebook, Mike Lee Comedian, and uh, at Mike on the Radio on Instagram. There you go. And we have a really awesome uh, bonus episode this week. It's uh, with Mike Murphy. And if anybody knows who Mike Murphy is, if you don't, you're going to find out quick. Hysterical guy. He's actually Tony's uncle. He invented the air chair, and he has got some funny stories. But the only way you can get it is going on Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash the outside edge. It only costs two bucks a month, and you can get some more of these hysterical stories. So... Keep liking us on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And go see Pole Water Sports. Pole Water Sports is a full function dealership with everything you can imagine under the sun. And uh, Jenny and Perry always take care of you up there. You can find them at PoleWaterSports.com or just on Instagram or Facebook at Pole Water Sports. Thanks again, everybody. Love you very much. Talk to you next time on The Outside Edge. <laughs>